Father, it's ironic to me that uh, a place of shame and a place of death and a place of humiliation for Your Son became the very place where we gain strength and peace and wisdom and discernment. So, Father, help us to see all of life against the backdrop, backdrop of the cross. Because that's where life beyond the grave starts. And God, just remind us that being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus is not the only way to die. It's also the best way to live. So open our eyes to Your Word and help us apply those things today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know what the number one New Year's resolution is year in and year out? You know what it is? Lose weight. Why is that? Because we're fat. Okay, there you go. That'll work. Well, you know, we've been declared the most obese nation on the face of the earth, right? And uh, so I can understand that. And it also comes right after what? Holidays. Mama's cooking. Going home and seeing my mom. Mom, my mom, i got to be careful because these things are recorded nowadays and placed on the Internet. Um, my mom does a really good job at desserts and candy. Other things maybe, you know, not so much. But desserts and candy, mom is excellent. And I just feel compelled, you know, to eat and, and to show her my appreciation for her, all the hours she spends in the kitchen. And so I eat when I go home. We got to spend five days at home in Borger, Texas. There's not a whole lot to do in Borger, Texas, but uh, it was good to see mom and dad and did my uh, my niece's wedding last a week ago, Saturday night. That's where we were last week. And we had a good time. We miss you guys. I'm always looking at the clock. When I'm gone, I'm like, okay, church should be starting. You know, the band's up. I, I, when I'm gone, I'm, I'm thinking about what's going on here. It was good to see mom and dad and, and uh, all of that, but I sure miss it when, when I'm not here. Now, um, we're going to play a, a game called Have You Ever? All right? And so I'll say, you know, some phrase, have you ever? And then I want your, your response. This is... This is a, a kind of a fun little game that you need to, to play or it's not going to be fun for me, you know, for sure. OK, so here we go. Have you ever had to buy pants with a larger waistline just so that you could be comfortable? Um, yeah, that. OK, that'll work as long as you make some type of, you know, audible response. That'll work. Um, and, and now here's a little, you know, just a break from the game. Have you ever noticed that when you um, when you buy those pants to you know the extra weight that it doesn't take long for you to expand and fill up that added space? I mean I don't understand that for sure, but okay we'll we'll move on from that one. Um, have you ever walked by a mirror and caught a glimpse of something out of the corner of your eye, out of the peripheral vision? It's something large. It's something ominous. Something so large that it startles you, and when you turn to look in the mirror, it's you. Have you? I, now, I'm just, this is truth telling today, so I've done that, and you, you think, you actually turn side to side, you go to different mirrors going, that cannot be true. This, this mirror is playing tricks on me. Because, you know, they have, I don't know if you ever saw that Seinfeld episode, but there are, there are mirrors they have in stores that make you look better in that outfit than your mirror at home or, you know, than real light. I don't know. They, they have some trick mirrors. Anyway, so you got, you got some stuff protruding, protruding both directions that, that scares you. Um, 
Now, I have a scale with me here today. So since we're starting this new series, you know, um, anybody want to come up and, and hop on the scale? We're all family here. Come on, somebody. Uh, OK, Perry. All right, Perry. Come on up here. Yeah, might as well. Let's let's go ahead and guess. Hang on. Hop on there. Hop on there. Let's see. Oops. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want to do it before and after. OK, hop on there. Perry. All the confidence. Hop on before it goes off. Hop on, man. Hop on. Hop on. <laughs> It just broke. Okay, hop yeah, off. It, it just went off. You waited too long. Oh, okay. Wait, wait, wait. When it goes zero, now step on. All right. Is that a good thing or is that that's a bad thing? Anybody else? Anybody else want to be a volunteer? Okay. Oh, look at that, Amanda. I am so impressed. Okay, it's a zero. Hop up there. She told you. I wasn't going to tell you. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Okay. Anybody else? I'll hop on. She sure does. Holy mackerel, I've never seen those numbers before. Um, <laughs> I couldn't read it. I couldn't, you know. That said 194. I've never seen those numbers on there before. That must be all these heavy clothes that I'm wearing. It wasn't mom's candy over the holidays. Now, let's go on. Let's let's keep playing the game. Have you ever unfattened, unfastened, unfattened, Freudian slip there, unfastened the button on your trousers just because there wasn't enough room for you in there? I have some work pants and, you know, they're work pants from like three years ago and they don't fit anymore, but I don't want to. So every time I get on my mower, I have to undo that button so that I can, I can. Anybody ever else ever done that? Okay. All right. Thank you. I saw that, Jason. Appreciate you playing, man. Have you ever eaten when you're not hungry just for something to do? My brother is 14 years older than me, and he told me that one year at at, uh, Christmas. He's like, hey, Doug, let's go eat. And I'm like, I'm not hungry. And he said, so? I didn't understand that then, but I do now. I'm very familiar with that concept. Have you ever known? Oh, wait, wait. Have you ever eaten because you were sad or mad or depressed or whatever? Anybody ever done that? Whether it's ice cream or, you know, brownies, whatever it is. Okay. Yeah, okay. And have you have you ever known that you needed to lose weight? Have you ever wanted to lose weight? Okay. Now, who here has ever lost weight? More than 10 pounds. Anybody here ever lost more than 10 pounds? What did you have to do? What's the very first thing that you have to do when if you're going to lose weight? What? Breastfeed. I tried that one. No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> didn't work for me. Actually, when I was a teenager, my niece did latch on. I was holding her without a shirt, and I was like, whoa, get this thing out of here. I, I never made that mistake again. I certainly didn't do that with my own children. What do you have to do if you're going to lose weight? Decide. There we go. Now, quitting eating, that's one of the decisions. But you've got to come to a point where you've got to decide. No more. I think my point just came a second ago when I looked at that scale. No more. I'm not going to do that anymore. It's not enough just to to want to. And it's not enough to know that you need to. You have to have a plan of action. You've got to make a decision. You've got to follow that plan. Well, the series that we're starting today is three week series is called Becoming Financially Fit. And what in the world does it take to get in good financial shape? That's what the questions that we're going to be looking at. And let's just say that these scales I had are financial scales. 
How many of you would be willing to come up here and place all of your financial information in front of us? No, no. But think about it this way. If I had these financial scales and you could go to some room, nobody would ever see it. And you were to weigh your finances. Would you be satisfied with what you saw? Or would you say there's some things that need help? We're going to try to offer some help in this series. Um, According to the Bible, when it comes to money, losing weight concerns one issue and only one issue. You know what that is? Debt. Getting out of debt. Losing debt. Getting rid of debt. That's what we're going to talk about. The financial equivalent of losing weight is losing debt. Romans 13, 8. And, And here's the thing. What I want you to realize is the stuff that we're going to be talking about, this is not my idea. This is God's stuff. Whenever I read a verse to you, this comes from God's word. And the reason it works is because the creator of the universe knows a little bit about finances. Or if we talk about relationships, he knows a little bit about those things. And the reason it works is because God established this. So when we read it, think about this coming from God and not from Doug. Here it is. Romans 13, 8. Don't run up debts except for the huge debt of love you owe each other. Okay, well, that's pretty straightforward, right? What does it say about debt? Don't do it. Don't run up debts. Now, when it comes to, to money issues, the Bible is very practical. And, and if you've ever wondered why it's such a big deal, why debt is such a big deal in the Bible, um, why we're to avoid it. Look at this next verse. Proverbs 22, 7 Proverbs written. Most of the Proverbs were written by the wisest man who ever lived. And here's what he said. Borrow money and you are the lender's slave. Lender's slave. Slave. That, anybody here want to be called a slave? That doesn't sound like a very pleasant image, does it? Um, well, let's uh, consider some of the evidence. Let's take a hypothetical situation and uh, let's look at some numbers. Let's say a person has $1,000 on their credit card. Now, this person makes the, the minimum monthly payment, and, and the minimum payment is usually 2% of the outstanding balance or $10, whichever is greater. <laughs> Most of the time, it's going to be the 2% thing. So, let's... Um, Let's let's think about this. What that comes out to, if you're going to do two uh, percent of a thousand dollars, how much is that? Twenty bucks. Anybody think that that's uh, slavery? Anybody think that that's going to hold you down? Twenty bucks a month? There's no slavery there, right? There's no problem with twenty bucks a month. Well, let's just consider a few things. So, no big deal. Let's see what happens. How long would it take you to pay off a credit card? Thousand dollars is the balance. If all you did was make the 2%, $20 a month payment, and let's, let's assume, you've got to make an assumption here, that you've made the very wise decision not to take on any more debt. All you're going to try to do is get rid of the $1,000 debt. How many months do you think it would take you to pay it off at 18% interest? That's pretty typical. There's some cards that are more, some that are less, but average 18%. Here we go. We've got A, B, or C. A is uh, 9 years, B is 19 years, and C is 29 years. How many of you think it's 9 years? Let me see your hands. a month, nine years. Okay. How many of you think it's 19 years? Now, we've had six people vote, so the rest of you must believe that 29 years. Let me see your hands. And now we've had 12 people vote. Some of you are not playing the game. That's okay. Uh, We'll we'll work on on getting you involved. The correct answer, and I I went to cardweb.com and I used their their, uh, calculator. And here it is. 19 years, three months. To pay it off. Now, 19 years. I'll be 60 in 19 years. 
That's assuming I'm still alive in 19 years. If I pay only $20 a month, 19 years, I'll be 60 before I pay off whatever it was I used my credit card for. Now, let's let's figure out how much interest would you pay? Interest only would you pay over those 19 years? Here it is. A, $1,000. B, $1,500. C, $2,000. Which one is it? Actual, the actual numbers are $1,931.11. So close to $2,000 just in interest. Then you add that to how much was your original charge on the card? $1,000. $3,000. Let's say that I spent that on a big screen TV. That big screen TV, $1,000 might be a reasonable cost. Is $3,000 a reasonable cost for that same TV if I paid 1000 originally? Now, you need to say, no, there's a there's a deal. Yeah, it's not. And, and 19 years later, before I paid it off, is that sucker still worth a thousand bucks or three thousand bucks? The proper response is no. So I'm going to say, is that a good deal? And you say no. Ready? Is that a good deal? No. Now, there's a, I don't know if you've seen this on Fox News on Channel four. They do once a week. They do deal or a dud. And they have all these different things, you know, like this amazing potato peeler or, you know, whatever it is. And they'll they'll get some expert to try it. And then at the end, the expert's supposed to say deal or a dud. Now, if this was a deal or a dud that, that I've just showed you paying three thousand dollars over 19 years for a TV that's probably going to last you five to ten years. Is that a deal or a dud? OK, you're playing now. Thank you. I don't feel so lonely and I'm glad I came back um, now, according to Cardweb. The average American household that has at least one credit card, all right, if you have at least one credit card, the average amount of debt that you carry, the average balance you carry from month to month is $8,000, all right? Now, debt management companies have said most people have at least three cards, and the people that come to them, the, uh, the credit counseling services and all that, the average person that comes to them has about eight credit cards and carries a monthly balance of at least $18,000 a month. From month to month. Now, uh, we're, we're talking about unsecured debt here. And the difference between secured debt and unsecured debt is this. Secured debt means that there is some asset that the bank or somebody could come and they could reclaim from you if you default on the loan. So a secured debt would be like my house. If I default on my house loan, they can come and they can take it back. There, there uh, is an asset there that, um, that I've put up for collateral. Unsecured debt is stuff that you that that depreciates in value. It doesn't go up in value. It would be things like clothes or the big screen TV or, or things like that that I buy. Generally, it's what you can buy with your credit card. All right. So those those are the differences when we look at those terms. Now, just for grins, let's take the eight thousand dollar figure. That's the average American household, eight thousand dollars at 18 percent. And let's see how long it would take if we paid double the minimum. All right. We're going to pay four percent instead of two percent. So any guesses how long it would take? 169 months. Now, that's double the minimum, so that's a little over 14 years. And you'd pay almost $5,000 in interest. Is that a good deal? Deal or a dud? All right. Now, but let's be, let's be honest here. Double the minimum payment is not normal. Generally, people pay only the minimum. So let's look at $8,000, 18% interest, only paying 2% per month. And let's see what would, any ideas, just a guess, how long it would take you to pay off $8,000? How much? 40 years. 40 100 years. 100 years? Not quite. 54 years. 
I'll be 95. Will my big screen TV still look good to me? I won't even be able to see my big screen TV at 95. I won't be able to hear it either. So, 54 years, $22,900 interest on my $8,000 purchase. Deal or a dud? Dud. Okay, thank you. Slowly but surely, what debt does is it begins to wrap its tentacles around you until you are chained to it. Do you see the wisdom of the Bible when the Bible says the borrower becomes the slave of the lender? Right? Okay. Now, we can argue about the differences of going into debt for an appreciable asset versus a depreciable asset. What we're talking about is unsecured debt, things that depreciate in value. Now, here's the deal. The reason I tell you this is because God has a plan for our lives and many times that plan is derailed because of debt. And so there's four things every person can do with debt. And this is what we're going to look at. This is on your listening guide. Four things. The first thing is make a decision that it is time to change. Make a decision it's time to change. Change is an act of the will. Lots of folks aren't happy with their lives. If I were to go out and have a survey, man on the street interview here in Palestine, asking how many people, if they're satisfied with their lives, what do you think I'd come up with? What if they're happy? How many of you are happy with your life? What percentage? Here, if we're to go out in Palestine, what percentage do you think we would get? And what do you think a lot of people would say would be the number one reason they're not happy? Dead or not enough money. The, the, the attitude, just a little more money and it would be all right. I've, I've fought that attitude. I understand that. If I just made a little bit more money, my life would be great. That's not true. It's kind of like the expanding waistline theory. You know, when I get a raise, you know, what happens? My spending expands to consume that and I don't even know where it's gone. Now, most people are unhappy. There are more people that are unhappy than are happy. And they'd love for things to be different, but they've not made a decision to change. It's not enough to know you need to change and to desire to change. You've got to make a decision. Look at Proverbs twenty thirty. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Any of you ever had painful experiences when it comes to debt? Yeah, man. And you do feel like you are chained to somebody else, don't you? And it is not a pleasant feeling. And, and in a lot of instances... Wives, security a lot of times is tied to um, how much money is in the bank account. And if you would spend time talking to your spouse, it's funny, the amount of money that, that will make one spouse secure is not the amount of money that will make the other spouse secure. I talked to one couple one time. He's like, man, if I got a thousand bucks in the bank, I am great. And I looked at his wife and I said, how are you? And she goes, if we got a thousand dollars, I am freaking out. And I said, well, what's comfortable to you? And she said, five thousand dollars at least in the bank. And he goes, and then they got in an argument right there in front of me about 5,000. I got five, you know, they're going to go buy stuff is what he says. If you got $5,000, he's thinking he's rich. So some of you are not to the point yet that you're willing to make a decision to change. But I'm just going to tell you this. It's not going to get better. A lot of folks are sitting around hoping that things will get better and it's not going to get better on its own. You've got to make a decision. And so if things aren't bad enough right now for you to change, you just keep on going, doing the things you're doing. Then when they get bad enough to change, come and see me and we'll talk and, and I'll, I'll steer you to some websites. I'll, I'll show you some books, some different things that you can use that will help you get out of that. And the second thing you need to do is you need to swear off debt. First thing is make a decision to change. Second thing is swear off debt. You cannot get out of debt until you stop going into it. Debt is a black hole that will swallow you alive. Come here, Wes. 
Well, I'm talking about dead. I'm not talking about you, man. Now, Wes, kind of tell us. Come over here. Come over here. Come over here. This side. There you go. So we can get a little bit of sight on you. Now, this would help for my story, I think. Okay, you're going to wear it as, okay, as jewelry. That's pretty heavy. Did I steal it? No. That's the safety chain for my boat, dude. Okay, now tell us what happened to you in college with credit cards. Taco Bell. Um, no, whenever whenever uh, we got to college, you know, the first thing I did was I, got a, I went and, and got a Chevron application for a Chevron card. I'm like, they'll never give me a credit card. I sent in and I got a card. And I'm like, they'll give one to me, suckers. And then next thing I did is I got a couple other credit cards and started paying off tuition with credit cards. I put an engine in a car, and I'm, I'm thinking, I'll just pay that off later. I'll just, I'll, and it just started building up and building up. And pretty soon it was pretty crazy where I, I would pay all my other bills and wait till the credit card bills the end to pay what I could. And whenever you do that, when you wait to the end of your money, you know where your priorities are. My priority wasn't getting out of the debt. It was paying what I had to pay, and if I have some, I'll send it over that way. Then I decided to get married. I'm thinking, well, okay, this, this is stupid. Please don't laugh at me. Um, We're laughing with you. Anyway, laughing with me. I'm not laughing. Um, and I'm thinking, well, Jennifer's going to get a job, and so we, we can get out of debt together. <laughs> Build a marriage. <laughs> Six months later, we're drowning, and we decide we're just going to cut off our credit cards. We're getting out of debt. We're going to just, we're cutting the ties. We're not going to deal with this anymore. And we were scared to debt. Because we, we, didn't, we didn't know how to live without credit cards. We were buying food. We were, I was like, we're just not going to eat. We literally ate hot dogs or corn dogs for a year. Please don't feed me corn dogs. They're they not good. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's what we had to do. We, we ended up going to a company called CCCS, and we're still paying out the wazoo to those people to try to get us out of debt. But there's a lazy light at the end of the tunnel where there was no light at the end of the tunnel before. How much longer do you have to go? Probably about two more years. Uh, before we'll be done with just that, um, and then you know, then we got to figure out how to live <laughs> with money. I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> okay, now did you hear what happened? And this happens a lot. It is easy to get credit cards, isn't it? You get the applications in the mail. You don't have to apply. You can get credit cards, and and they've started now going even younger than college. They've started targeting high schoolers. You want to know why? Because they believe that mom and dad will bail them out. And they think that's a good risk. I remember going, I remember going to college and them having all these little booths set up, you know, with the, the credit cards. Now, I couldn't get one. I had no credit. You know, that's how bad off I was. I couldn't even get a credit card, but that's probably a good thing. Because that, I, I didn't have that. But Wes felt like, and still feels like, he's chained to those decisions he made in the past. The best decision he made financially was when they cut up the credit cards, went to a counselor and said, I need help. And so I don't I don't I look at Wes and I applaud what he's been doing. And I say, keep going two more years, man. And then you'll have because he's making a big payment, but he's he's uh, taking care of those debts. And I applaud that. And then in two years, man, um, we'll be going to him for financial advice and uh, and uh, co-signing for a loan for a new building and stuff like that. Um but thank you for, for sharing that. You've got to swear it off. And, and you see, one of the main problems in marriages is this debt thing, is finances. Whenever I do marriage counseling, a lot of times what comes up is the strain financially that people are under. And, uh, and it doesn't have to be that way. God didn't give us the Bible for information. 
God didn't give us the Bible, you know, just so that we could have some historical record of what he's done in the world. He gave us the Bible to change our lives. And the reason most people's lives are falling apart is because they're not following what God said in the Bible. Now, look at what it says in Proverbs 13, 13. Ignore the word. And that means God's word and suffer. Honor God's commands and grow rich. Now, nowhere in this series am I going to tell you that this is a name and name it and claim it type thing that you'll see sometimes on TV. I don't believe that's what God teaches. And we're going to look at exactly what the Bible says over these next three weeks. But it says you ignore what God has to say at your own risk. So let's look at some other things that he has to say. The third thing that you need to do with debt is set up a payment plan. A payment plan. Proverbs 20:18 says this. Be sure you have sound advice before making plans or starting a war. <laughs> that sounds pretty good to me. Uh, don't go to war just, you know, on a whim. And what this means is talk to some people. Talk to Wes. If you're considering going into debt, doing something, I, get, I guarantee you he'll be the first one to say, don't do it. It is not worth it. Talk to folks in this church. There are websites. There are all kinds of information out there. It is easy to find information nowadays. Um, and, and the thing is, don't try to go on a trip when you don't know where you are. You ever tried that? You ever tried to get someplace uh, on the map when you don't know where you're starting from? How successful are you? That's what it's like to try to budget when you don't even know what's going on right now. That's why I gave you the, the simplified budget in your chairs today. It's something that, that you can take and just begin to take a few steps. I think it would take you a maximum of 10 minutes to fill out that form. I, a couple of years ago, I had these forms at the back, and I think three people took them. <laughs> so we talked about this, and people said, yeah, budgeting's a good idea, let's get out of debt, Woo! and then they leave and forget about it. So we've taken a further step, giving you this, this budgeting information, and, and I want you just to take that out and look at it for just a second, and look at how hard this is. There's like four or five in the income category. I don't know about you, I don't have five incomes. So it's going to take me about 30 seconds to write down that, that first column, you know, what I make. I'm pretty confident of I know what I make. But then there's, I think it was 27 different categories of possibilities. And then there's another in case that's something that's not covered there. There are basics that you have to cover. And so take some time and go through this and, and God will bless you for it. Um, there was a lady and this is this is somebody that I want you to. To, uh, you might write her name down. Mary Hunt is this lady's name. She started a, a magazine called Cheapskate Monthly. And I subscribed to this 10 years ago, right when she first started uh, Cheapskate Monthly. Now, what got my attention was Mary told her story. And her story, I'll give you a real quick synopsis. Mary got into $100,000 unsecured debt. Not talking house, not talking car payments. We're talking $100,000 unsecured debt. You weren't there, were you? You're glad you weren't at $100,000. Now, what she did was she would do the whole pay this credit card off with this one. They eventually started taking all of the equity out of their home. And her husband was a banker. When the bank found out their financial situation, he got fired from his job. And they were down at the bottom rung. And she said she finally fell on her knees before God and said, God, forgive me for allowing this. Because she said she wouldn't answer the phone. She wouldn't answer the door. This was before caller ID. And she just wouldn't answer because she knew it was going to be a creditor trying to get their money. And she she thought she was entitled to the latest fashion wear, the latest clothing and jewelry and, and accessories. Her children needed this and needed that. And she so $100,000 unsecured debt. Long story short, they decided, they made a decision. And in 13 years, 
They paid off every dime of that $100,000. And now they're writing books. And she's uh, she's been on all kinds of national talk shows. And she has a website now. She's changed it from Cheapskate Monthly to Debt Proof Living. I learned a ton of stuff from this lady. But one of the things that I want to show you is something called the Rapid Debt Repayment Plan. Others call it the Snowball Plan. And I just want to show you how this works. With this plan, what you do... Um, go ahead and put them up there, Alex. What you do is you list those those credit cards that you have. You list the debts that you have. Now, you'll see here on our example, uh, credit card, $1,000, 18% interest, gas card, Bell's card. Now, you, you just have a number here. You can actually do this on her website, which is debtproofliving.com. Um, the, the cool thing about this, I want to show you the difference in making the minimum payments just at, uh, what is this, $1,750. Minimum payments... How long would that take? We calculated this up. Here it is. It would take you 94 months to pay off the credit card. Okay. The way you do this with the rapid debt repayment plan, go back to that other screen, is you list these in descending order of how much you have to pay off. And the reason we do this is because we're going to give you some reason to celebrate. So here we would put the $250 at the top, then the $500, then the $1,000. The reason is we want to have a goal that you can pay something off very quickly. And when you pay that off, we're going to celebrate. We're just going to celebrate cheaply. <laughs> we're going to figure out something to do where we don't go and splurge and get into more debt. Woohoo! Paid off that $250. Let's go charge $200. That doesn't work. All right. Now, if you do this and then you find an extra amount of money per month, whether it's $20, I think we did $50, wasn't it? We put an extra $50 towards this. Watch what happens if you just pay off with an extra $50 a month and you apply it to the, to the least amount till you pay that off. Then you take whatever that was. Let's say that the minimum payment here, the gas card is $5. If you find an extra 50 bucks a month and so you're paying $55 towards the gas card, when you pay that off, it'll be just a few short months till you pay that off. You take that $55, you apply it to the next highest amount that you owe. You apply it to the 500 one. And then when you finish that, you just roll them all together and you apply it to the next one. I want you to see how much quicker you would pay that debt off with just an extra 50 bucks a month. Here it is. Up there, it's 94 months. Down here, how many months? 25 months. You see how much faster? Anybody would rather pay for 94 months than 25 months? This is just a simple thing that you can do, and it's a way that you get out of debt. If you can find more money per month to apply to that, then it happens even faster. So you go from 94, what was that, um, almost eight years, to just a little over two years. That's a pretty good deal, right? Is that a deal or a dud? That's a deal. Oh, y'all don't say that. Is that a deal or a dud? Deal. Oh, thank you for playing. Now, I want you to know that if you were to apply some of these things earlier, remember the minimum payments for the $8,000? If you just double the minimum payment, you went from 54 years down to 14 years. That sounds like a better deal to me. So we've got to swear off debt, we've got to get out of debt, and then we've got to have some type of payment plan. Now, the last thing that you can do, number four is create an overall spending plan. How many of you like the word budget? When you hear that word, you just think, oh, pleasant thoughts. No. So let's call it a spending plan. The purpose of a spending plan is for you to tell your money where it goes instead of wondering where it went. Would you rather do that? Would you rather tell your money where to go? Not your neighbor, but your money? You'd rather tell... Okay. Our problem is not needing more money. It's in managing what we already have. 
Think about the last three raises that you got in your lifetime. Do you have that amount of money in savings? No, because our budget expanding waistline, it just expands and eats up that stuff. Now, here's a quote for you. There are two ways of getting enough. One is to continue to accumulate more of it. The other is to desire less. We need to learn to desire less. That's of unknown origin. Most folks don't know where their money's going because they've never looked. For example, if I were to ask you how much money this past month you charged on your credit card, how many of you would know the exact amount to the penny that you charged this last month? Okay, is that the majority of us? Wes is raising his hand because he doesn't have any credit cards. His is 0.00, so that's an easy one. That's not the majority of us. Let me, let me make a point. We don't know how much money we've charged on our credit card. That's why we're surprised when we get the bill. Every time, almost every time, if you're guessing in your mind before you open the bill, do you guess less or more than what's on the bill? We almost always guess less because we don't know where our money's going and we're trying to get somewhere without knowing where we are at the beginning. Proverbs 24, or 27 says this, Know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds, for riches don't last forever. The Bible is telling us to pay attention to our possessions because they don't last forever. Um, pay attention to your finances. Pay attention to your possessions. I have a washer and dryer that predate my wife. I'm in my 15th year with Janie. My uh, washer and dryer are like 17 and a half years old. How much longer will they last? I don't know. I'm trying to find out. You know, I want to set the record, that type of deal. But it's foolish of me to think they're going to last forever. But isn't that how we tend to react? We don't plan for it. We just think, oh, man, I hope I get another year. I hope I get and then, you know, I hope I get another year. I hope I get another. And then when it dies, we have this financial emergency. What do we generally do? Put it on the credit card and pay three times the amount over 20 years or whatever. If I'll be smart now and actually we've got a little bit of a fund set aside, then it's not a shock. One of the best things I learned this from Mary Hunt as well. One of the best things we ever set up was called a freedom account. And we take those non-monthly expenses, we calculated how much that was, and so there's every month there's an electronic funds transfer from my checking account into my freedom account, and it covers things like taxes, like insurance, those things that I don't pay on a monthly basis, so that when they come due, like my taxes are due at the end of this month, then I take out my yellow checkbook, which is my um, freedom account, and I'm able to write my check for my taxes out of there, not out of my regular checking. I'd rather write that out of my regular checking. It blows me out of the water because I owe about $2,400 in taxes this month. Just that's property taxes, not, not income and all of that stuff. And then two months after that is my, um, is my car insurance. And then five months after that is my home insurance. And if I don't make plans for that, so what we've done is set up a freedom account. So every month there's, a, there's an amount of money. And then when it's time, we go and we write it out of the freedom account. Oh, that is a wonderful feeling rather than writing it out of the main checking account. Now, I want to say this and then we're done. God uses money in three ways. Three ways. First is money is a tool. Money and possessions are a very effective tool that God uses to grow us up. Wes, would you say that, you know, 10 years ago, did you have mature um, ideas towards money or immature ideas towards money and credit cards? Hmm. Go with immature. And so God wants to grow us up. And instead of asking God, why are you doing this to me? Why don't we look at it a different way and say, God, what do you want to teach me through this experience? 
Paul tells us this, that God has taken him through all kinds of situations to teach him some stuff, to teach him to learn to depend on Christ. In Philippians 4.11, he says, And I'm not saying this because I feel neglected, for I have learned to be satisfied with what I have. I know what it is to be in need and what it is to have more than enough. I have learned this secret, so anywhere, at any time, I'm content. Whether I'm full or hungry, whether I have too much or too little, I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. Have you learned to be content yet? On your contentedness scale, one to ten, where would you say you rate right now? What are you going to do about it? If it's debt and, and you're continuing to go into debt, you're not going to be content until you get out. There is a great feeling when you pay off that last payment. It's incredible. The second thing that God uses money for is it's a test. This is a big deal here. Luke sixteen eleven says, if you cannot be trusted with worldly riches, then who will trust you with true riches? Jesus is talking to his disciples, his followers, and he's telling them that there's a difference between financial blessing from God and spiritual blessing from God. And these guys are blown away because they believe the Jewish mind in those days, they believe that if you had financial blessings, that equaled God's blessings. And Jesus goes, well, actually, guys, God is looking at how you use your money to find out if you're trustworthy. And if you cannot use your money, then God's not going to let you have spiritual riches. And they were blown away. God wants us to use our money in the proper way. Um, and, and, you know, that's one of the qualifications for leadership in a church is you've got to be able to manage your household well, and that includes your finances. And so it is a test from God. And then the last thing is money is a testimony. God expects people to work hard and pay their debts. If you think back to the Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden... God expected them to work even before sin. Now, the work was harder after sin and God cursed the ground and they would have to work it and, and all of that. But they were supposed to take care of the world. They were supposed to care for it and nurture it even before uh, sin came into the world. Work is a good thing. The Bible says if you will not work, you should not eat. So God wants us to work. It is a good thing. It is not a nasty four letter word. Work is a good thing. But people are looking at us as followers of Christ and the way we work tells them what we believe about God. And the way we handle our money tells people what we really believe about God. And, um, and as we go further in this whole series, next week we're going to talk about building strength. And, and the Bible has a lot to say about how you can save. And we're going to, I'm going to show you some more things and we'll talk about different stuff. The third week in this series, we're going to talk about entering the zone and how you enter into God's financial blessing zone or actually into his blessing zone, whether it's financial or not, that's up to God. Um, but when we get to that time next week, we're going to have a uh, uh, we're going to give you the year to date um, finances from last year, what was given, what was spent. And then we're going to have a projection for the next year of our budget. And we want you to take that next week and, and you can ask me questions or or um, some other folks on the board. We're, we're going to have a meeting this week. Talk about these things. So that you can know where that money is going to go. But here's the deal. If we're going to reach what we believe God wants us to do in this next year, two years, three years, then it's going to require a commitment from the folks that are members of this church. And so we're going to ask you on that third week, I'm preparing you now so that on that third week, on the back of your registration cards, we're going to ask you what you could commit to give. Now, if you're not a member of the church, we don't expect you to give. 
Guests, we say, come for free. This is a great place to come. We like to sing and we like to, to open up God's Word. We like to eat together. There's lots of parties where we eat together. There's small groups. We want you to do those things. But if you're a member, we want to do things like we want to, to add a uh, part-time staff member. We want to hire a secretary. There are things that we need to do that we cannot do if we don't have commitments from our folks. And so we're not going to do, we're not, you know, going to, going to place any undue burden on others. But what we're going to say is, what have you given in the past? And what can you give in this next year? Um, and, and so we'll talk about that in, as the weeks go along.